Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live. Yeah, we are. Welcome back to part two, Rena Burke. We're going to finish off our story from last week. Uh, we do have a few updates before we start that today, though. I have a couple things that I want to talk about and then some lovely suggestions that we received from I don't actually know who. Katie just passed it along to me. Correction. So we're going to go over that a little bit. But um, welcome. Welcome back. Podcast by Proxy. If you just listened to part one, we'll just quickly go over what we wanted to clarify or the corrections that were sent to us. Also, thank you so much from my lovely friend, Diana. Yeah, anybody who sends us corrections or suggestions, anything like that, we, uh, yeah, we, we need it. We need the help. So this is, this is a team effort here. Takes a village. So the first one that you mentioned to me was really interesting to me, and it was actually about the Kitty Genovese case. And it turns yes. out that the whole story of 37 of her neighbors just, like, standing by idly and doing nothing was actually debunked. And I did look into this a little bit further um, after you sent that to me, because to be honest, I just looked up the bystander effect, looked up a few things, went with what I knew. That's how we learned it in school yeah. was with that case. Um, I didn't look that for much further into it, which is like totally my bad, but that's not the case I was researching. But things change too. So yeah. And so it turns out that that was actually a story that was fed to the media by the cops. Um, and there was sneaky, sneaky. there was people who called the police, but as you mentioned in your message to me, the process of calling nine one one and getting help was so much different in nineteen sixty four, and just like not as well documented. But yeah, according to this article I'm reading from the New York Post, it says that. Um, that story was in part fed to by the media and that the media like fell so in love with it because it was so dramatic that it just couldn't be deterred. Like it, they just couldn't be bothered to figure out if it was true or not. And like it just yeah. took off. So I actually got so enthralled with this piece of information oh, that I, I may cover this case on a Patreon episode. It won't be on our main feed. It will be a Patreon exclusive. So uh, if you're interested in that, patreon.com slash podcast by proxy. But I may have to do this because um, this flies in the face of everything that I knew. Hey, like I said, things change. We're always learning. So um, maybe we all have a we have a chance to get learned. Well, and apparently there's a whole book. So like, you know, I'm going <laughs> to want to dive into that. And yeah, I just I think I need to do this. The other uh, update or correction that you mentioned was just about the police detachments, which I don't think we were clear on anyways. Oh, yeah. And I think I was just saying it in the sense of that she went to Oak Bay, which right. is just unusual. But like you said, it was maybe it was close to where they were living at the time or staying or yeah, just convenience. Who knows? It turns out, yes, though, that it, Oak Bay and Santa are close. quite close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so that covers our corrections from last week, and the only other thing that I wanted to mention before we start today, I did share this on our Instagram story earlier today, True North True Crime Podcast, which is a podcast local to us. Um, they cover, like, murder to missing 
person's cases in Canada. They're quite uh, more like an investigative podcast. They do a lot of interviews with like friends and family members and things like that. They released an episode this week. Uh, it's very urgent. I recommend or urge all of our listeners to go and listen to it. It's episode 44, Abducted El Naz Haj Tamiri. I am just going to give a little bit of a backstory of this. El Naz is a 38-year-old woman who was abducted from a Wasaga Beach home, which is in Ontario, on January the 12th, 2022. At around 8.30 p.m., three men dressed as police officers forced their way into the home and dragged El Naz into a car, and she has not been seen or heard from since. Um, so True North True Crime actually worked with an attorney who is doing an investigation into this, as well as uh, spoke with a family spokesperson to talk about kind of the events that led up to this abduction because she also was assaulted in December of 2021. Um, Jeez. So anyone with information about El Naz is asked to call the tip line at 1-833-728-3415. Um, you can support the family on Instagram by following the account at Bring El Naz Home. And I, I strongly urge all our listeners to go and listen to that episode from True No True Crime. And if you know anything at all, like call anonymously. If you saw something, say something. Um, this is very urgent to try and bring her home safely. I'm going to go listen to it as soon as we're done this. It's seriously too sweet. super scary. It's really scary um, and sad. So that I just wanted to a quick little synopsis of that to try and push some traction over to her and kind of get loud about her case mm -hmm. yeah let's bring some awareness mm -hmm. spread the word people the only other thing that i wanted to say which is completely off topic and love it i just Does that have anything to do with your instagram story yeah because i just watched it yeah so Are this you gonna ask people for their usernames uh, I wasn't going to ask people for their usernames, but I will. So I recently became <laughs> obsessed with the Peloton app. <laughs> and actually, workouts, here you are. I actually job, heard, girl. I was listening to a, a Morbid episode recently, and <laughs> those sons of bitches got sponsored by Peloton, and it's the first time I've ever been, like, truly jealous hearing a podcast oh, I sponsorship. A I No, I want to have a Peloton ad. Like, I don't even want the Peloton. Oh. I want to be sponsored by them and have the ad because I just use the app oh my God, on... I want the Peloton. I mean, fair. I would love one of those too, but I actually just use the app on the bikes at the gym. Never had better spin bike okay. rides in my life. Yeah, you just use your phone. Like, I just prop it up, do whatever ride the app yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, like... it's usually the little ledge on the gym workout equipment anyway. Yeah. So. What I was going to say, though, is it was recommended for me to do the Lady Gaga ride by the trainer <laughs> Cody. Uh, my cousin recommended this to me. That is okay. literally the best spin bike ride I've ever had in my life. I was, like, dancing. I never wanted it to end. It was equally difficult. Like, it was hard as hell. I was, like, I was living by the end of it. Living. Can you take Brandon to the gym with you to record you? Doing the Lady Gaga Peloton one. Nobody wants to watch me because spin I want to see the like <laughs> dancing olive on a yeah. A, what a, a what are they called? Spin a bike stand. A spin bike. 
I thought they had a different name. No. I just feel like they were just called an exercise bike anyway, so fuck. No, because like, well, you could, I guess you could call it a stationary bike, but there's also That's different what I types of stationary bikes at the gym and like specifically spin bikes. Are Why don't you different. get the one that you like can do it while you're sitting at your computer? No. <laughs> Why? Then you could just like be moving all the time. Keep your blood flow. Oh, like the seated ones? I don't know. I need some. Yeah, it's like it's like exercise. a little seated bike, like a mini one with like a little ledge so you can put your computer there and work <laughs> temporarily. Like what if you used it while you're researching in the evenings? I've seen those at Costco and every time I see them, I laugh. I saw them at London Drugs. <laughs> anyway, Same, I actually but just. But I think it would be fun. I just wanted to mention the Lady Gaga ride because it actually was amazing. And I mean, while we're Do at it. it, if you have the Peloton app and you want to throw us your username, send it in a DM to Instagram. And I'm going to follow you and stock all of your rides and do them. Because I'm obsessed. We could also just throw up a username box on Tuesday. We could. Yeah, I, I literally, I, I, got on, I got on the wagon. I jumped on that train and I'm not getting off anytime soon. Back to our I regularly... thought about downloading it for motivation. It's, Looks exciting. I mean, so I and use like a, a fun app as well. I use a different app for like my actual workouts, but they do have like running workouts yoga workouts yeah. weight workouts they have tons of stuff um i just truly love the spin rides they're so fun i think it would be something that i could get into like that sounds like fun so much as fun. opposed to just regular working out so i think that might be something i'll look into and you know what it's like for people who want the uh the energy and the funness of like a group class the hype because I really get into it. Like, I'm on the bike, and I'm moving my arms, yeah. and I'm... Like, I love it, but I have way too much anxiety to go to a real group class. Like, if there's Fair. already more than one person in that room before I arrive at the class, I physically can't enter the room. Oh, I hear you. Uh, maybe that wouldn't be the case now. I feel like I my anxiety is maybe I was going to say you're quite a bit better. I think before. you've... I think you've just balanced out a lot of other aspects of your life. So, yeah, I think you can handle more, too. True. So. But, like, years you ago, a shot. I remember trying to go to a group fitness class at the gym. And there was, like, it was pretty full by the time I got there. And I, like, actually couldn't go through the door. That's, it was crippling. See, I like a group because I don't like a lot of attention on me. Whereas I feel like if I was, like, on a stationary bike at the gym by myself, kind of, Flaily, I would think I was getting more attention than if I was just in the background of a group doing it along with everyone else. That's fair. See, in my head, when there's already people in the class and then I enter, all eyes are on me. And so I can't have that. Whereas just when, while you walk in. But then, then the next person walks I in. I think I'm just so used to working out at the gym that I assume nobody's looking at me or giving a shit about what I'm doing. So I just oh, and see, I still have that constant fear when I walk into any fitness related center I'm like oh they're all looking at me yeah. I have what you have walking into the class just being in the gym so basically we're delusional oh for because sure because nobody gives a shit what we're doing we have anxiety. <laughs> okay back to our regularly scheduled programming now that I've gone off a tangent about spin bikes and hell yeah the gym um so we might as well just hop right into it. I was going to just start talking again, but I think it's time to just give it a go. No, I think if you can just get the ball rolling, we we'll can. just... Yeah. This episode, I think, is going to be a little bit more of a discussion, because mm -hmm. from here, we had different plans for this episode, and then we had better plans. So we're going to go <laughs> with it. So we both have some input, and we're going to roll the... 
roll the dice on this we one. We had but... different plans, and then we had better plans. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Last week we left off. We had seven girls, including Kelly Ellard and Nicole Cook, and one male, Warren Lewatsky, involved in the brutal beating and death of 14-year-old Rena Verk. They were arrested and brought in for questioning. The next day, Rena's body was found floating in the gorge, and the prosecutor at that point was willing to press charges. So the prosecutor would not press charges on any of them until a body was actually found, which makes sense, as we talked about last week. Um, At this point, it was They're kids. There was teenagers against teenagers, and, like, now that might be taken more seriously, but at the time it was just so, like, uh, what? Agreed. It's a time and place thing as well. Yeah. So the, uh, the six girls involved in the first beating, so not including Warren or Kelly, just the six girls that were at the first fight. So, like, from the field where they kind of, like, attacked her and went down to the river, that, like, initial just, like... Yeah, like the six girls that were not Kelly or Warren that were involved in, like, that first fight uh, (laughs) under the bridge. Uh, They were dubbed the Shoreline Six in the media and Mm -hmm. were charged with aggravated assault for that first attack. All six of them were tried as youths, and their real identities at this point were protected under a publication ban. Um, except for that, so I did figure out why Nicole Cook's name was eventually released, and it's because she decided to go on an MSNBC documentary. I checked <laughs> and watched. So okay. you leaked your own name, girl. Yeah, the whole time we were trying to, because although everyone else wouldn't know this, but we edited it out, but we contemplated not using her real name even then. But I kept seeing it publicly, so... I just figured she either had aged out of a minor throughout the process of her court proceedings or something, but I was like, no, her name is out there, which, fuck it. Well, and I did end up finishing the book to write this this part of the the episode. Yeah, I finished the Under the Bridge book because I hadn't really finished, like, the trial portions of it. I didn't think that we were going to go this in-depth into it, and then we made the decision to do that. So I did finish that it. and the better. I think that book actually occurs before that documentary comes out. So at the time, her name was still protected yeah. and not known, which Redacted. is why they used a, a pseudonym. Jacqueline or something like uh, that? Josephine. Josephine. I knew mm-hmm. it was a J name. So on February 9th, 1991, the first of the trials of the Shoreline Six, as they were known, began. Three of the girls pled guilty to charges of assault causing bodily harm. Uh, This included Nicole and the other girl that was with her in the group home, who we referred to as Dusty, as well as the girl who actually eventually called out for the beating of Rena to stop. So all three of those girls pled... The martial arts girl. Yes, they call her Layla in the book. I don't know what her actual name is. Those three... I wonder where they got these names. I have have no idea. It's just that I've been reading a book, so I know them as this now, right? Like, in my head, that's just their names, so it's hard to break from that. Fair. Yeah. (laughs) So they they all figured that there was just too much evidence against them, so they pled guilty. The other three, who we don't have names for at all, went to trial on charges of aggravated assault, meaning that they pled not guilty, agreeing to a trial. 
Those latter three were convicted and found guilty on February 13th, 1998 of lesser charges of assault causing bodily harm. Between April and May of 1998, all six girls received their sentences, which ranged from 60 days conditional to one year in jail. Both Nicole and uh, Dusty, as we referred to her as the other girl from the group home, received the sentences of one year in jail. And Nicole was like shocked and floored that she got a year in jail. Yeah. Um, because she, she thought she was so helpful and not that bad, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, and she just said, like, I didn't. I didn't kill her. I wasn't involved in that. I left. I went home. And what they said was, do you think Rena would have died had it not been for your plan? Yeah. Like, you helped call her and get her down there and MacGyver this whole detailed out plan to get her there. Yeah. Like, that evening. And you made the plan her. to lure her there and have a group of people kick the shit out of her, whether you killed her or not. They decided that you had a part in that. You knew it was potentially 10 against 1. You had to know there could have been a severely negative outcome. Yeah. And you were okay with that. Yeah. So all six of these girls uh, were age range between 14 and 16 when they were sentenced. Uh, And that's pretty much it on that. There's not much else to say. Yeah, I didn't read much about them other than really that either. I, and again, it's because they are minors. They're meant to stay out of this. Like, they've they probably have very different lives. There's some other information, but it's kind of like uh, not very nice information for them. Like, it's it's it would be discussing some pretty like dark times in one or two of those girls' lives, and it's, I just don't think it's necessary. It's not worth it. So, That's their past. Yeah. So we will just move on. Yeah. Warren Glowatsky. Warren was tried by judge alone in the spring of 1999. Also, Katie, feel free to jump in whenever you want because I know that you have information on Warren as well. So just cut me off uh, whenever you want me to stop talking. I was actually just going to flip pages because he's on my... Okay. Warren was tried by judge alone in the spring of 1999 and the trial started on April 12th, 1999. Warren admitted during trial that he took part in the beating of Rena, but insisted that he did not kill her and that he stood by while Kelly Ellard approached and fought Rena a second time, knocking her out, dragging her in the water, and then holding her head under the water, drowning her until she stopped fighting. He then said that they left the crime scene without speaking a word. So he basically says this happened, he was just standing there, and then they just left and said nothing. Yeah, which... Well, we'll get to it because it's actually not relevant quite yet. Oh, the only thing I was going to say, and I did tell you in the last one or the last episode, but she was the one that like went back the next day and found the jacket specifically and Rena's shoes and went and hid them in a younger girl's room. Yes. At the time, I wasn't 100% sure because I didn't have these notes in front of me. But yes, she did go back and she took them to the group home and hid them in a younger girl's room. And the housemate, they they called her Stephanie. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming Stephanie could potentially now be Dusty or yeah. Lola or any of them. So who knows? Or Stephanie could be another pseudonym. No, we have no idea. I don't think Steph- well, Stephanie might not be her real name. Stephanie's not Dusty, though. I, it was just another girl that was there and like not involved in the crime. She made her hide the shoes. That actually does. Yeah, she said she was quite a bit younger, too, like so that they wouldn't really look into her. It does come up in the trial. Um, 
either the trial or the, more, yeah. her interview, but I didn't go too far into that because, again, there's yeah really choppy pieces of information that you can find. I mean, as an adult, too, later on, she did go on Dateline as well, like with Keith Morrison. Of course she did. <laughs> did she just want to meet Keith Morrison? Were you like, I was just a big Dateline fan, so I thought I'd go. I mean, probably. I want to meet Keith Morrison. <laughs> I mean, if I accidentally was involved in a crime, the only silver lining would be to meet, like, Josh Mankiewicz, Keith Morrison, Lester Holt. Like, I like that you prefaced that if you were involved in a crime, it would be accidental. <laughs> well, yeah, because I know I couldn't legitimately get away with anything. I am not that stealthy. Fair. Okay, so back to Warren. Uh, his girlfriend, Sarita, was asked to testify at his trial about the admissions of guilt he made to her. And Warren's friend, who had told him to stop as he was repeatedly kicking Rena in the head at the original fight, also testified as to his recollection of the events. Mm-hmm. Judge Malcolm McCauley said he believed Warren's testimony was incomplete and improbable and considered him an active participant in the brutal beating and death of Rena. On June 1999, Warren was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for seven years for second-degree murder. At this trial, when asked if he had anything to say about the crime after sentencing, Warren responded, not at this time. The judge determined that he would have more success in an adult facility where he would be able to take part in education and learn job skills, and he was sent to Matsqui Institution in British Columbia. Yeah. He did, so- he did move, though. Yeah, and I did read somewhere, and I only was able to, like, find it in one or two places, so I was a little hesitant, but I do think it's accurate, is that apparently while at Matsqui, he was informed that his lineage was that he was Métis, Mm -hmm. and so he got very connected with, like, Aboriginal roots and who he was and where he came from and really got into, like, just that religious aspect of his culture Mm -hmm. and that played a big part in his like eventual parole hearings and all the stuff to come later on because it just like made him into like a quality human being because he had a path and a purpose yeah well matsqui is uh seated on traditional territory and they Mm -hmm. do have a lot of programming for indigenous people there um i actually when i visited matsqui we attended a smudging it was I was really, going to say, they have chiefs there, don't they, they all do. the time, yeah. as, instead of priests or wherever yes. you're, whatever would be predominantly local religion-wise, or what you yes. might have for faiths there, yeah, we have. Yeah, they have chiefs, chiefs they have talking studies. circles, they have um, yeah. all of that there, so that is great to hear. After Warren was sentenced, his mom was drunk outside the courthouse telling reporters that there was no way that her son killed Rena, which, like, lady, lock it up. You're not helping. I'm not saying that he did. I'm just saying, like, you're not no, one she's just not to helping. say anything. Lock <laughs> it up, woman. Yeah. Yeah, so he was eventually transferred to a minimum security facility called Ferndale in 2003. And it's noted that Ferndale is, like, extremely hard to get into. You only get transferred there if you were, like, a model freaking prisoner like you are the gold star you have the most gold stars at the whole prison you're getting sent to ferndale so that says a lot about his behavior incarcerated you did your reading homework every night so you get to graduate 100 percent. i know it did say too he had made he did an interview or something where he said that um prison was the only time he did homework ever in his life 
Yeah, he said it was like a well, and what they assumed it would be by putting him in the right facilities at the right time and getting the right education. It was the best thing for him. Yeah. So he did extremely well. Um, but just back to his kind of criminal proceedings, his defense team immediately filed an appeal of his conviction, but they lost that in November uh, 29th of 2001. The BC Court of mm-hmm. Appeal ruled that he actively took part in the killing of Rena. The attack, yeah. Before we get into Kelly, um, Warren was asked to testify at Kelly Ellard's first trial, and his appeal <laughs> was still pending <laughs> yeah. at the time, and so he refused to testify, so and he was charged by the Crown with contempt of court. Yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah, but what he said was that testifying at her trial could affect his pending appeal like if i testify at yeah, this I guess he it could, could incriminate himself yeah it could screw up my appeal so i guess so but yeah i don't have anything else to add about them like you i was literally going through and like checking off my points as you were like going through that stuff so that was perfect oh okay uh, i do have a little bit more about warren um we mentioned that he like, did really well when he was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. He also became involved in restorative justice, which aims to facilitate reconciliation between victims and offenders. Um, think talking circle style, victims and victim family on one side, offenders, offenders family, and then there's, like, kind of, like, mediators, you would call them. I'm actually trained as a restorative justice facilitator. Um, but it takes a very specific type of victim and offender to want to participate in something like that. Oh, yeah. Warren actually... Could be extremely negative impact if it's done wrong or someone thinks they're ready and they're not. Yeah. Oh, my God. He actually met privately with Rena's parents to do a restorative justice facilitation, and they heroically mm-hmm. accepted his apology. To this day, Rena's parents say that Warren is truly the only one of those teenagers that ever took full responsibility for his role in her death. Uh, July 20th, 2006, Warren's granted unescorted temporary absences. June 21st, 2007, he was granted day parole. And in 2010, Warren applied for full parole, and his request was actually supported by Rena's parents, Suman and Manjeet, uh, which is incredible. And so his request for full parole mm. was granted, and he has gone on to live what we can only assume has been a great life. Yeah, I think... It's shocking to me that he's the only one that's taken full responsibility. And I did hear that prior to his parole, he frequently reached out to Suman and... Sorry, what was her dad's name? Oh, Manjeet. Yeah, so she reached out to both of them, like, just taking onus and apologizing. So I think that's really just... It's big of people to be able to do that. Yeah, it's a testament to who he is and who he became. And I think a lot... Mm -hmm. You know, if you read about Warren he talks a lot about I think we kind of talked about it in the last episode but he talks a lot about like if I had just gone home that night if I had just not drank that night if I had just not wanted to party and like get rid of my woe is me about my shitty family like just it was so circumstantial and I don't think he was ever a bad person at his core for what that no I don't think so either Hmm. uh and well, I can't say the same for the next one. No. Killer Kelly, on the other hand. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'm laughing because I'm fucking Such uncomfortable. She's- I'm frustrated, first of all, because I know we're going to get to it, like, right off the gate. Right off the gate? Right out the gate? I'm annoyed 
that convicted felons can change their name. <laughs> oh, I don't even really refer to her new name in this because I, no, ref- neither I refuse I. to call her that. You are not that. You're you're just yeah. Killer Kelly Ellard, in my opinion. 100%. You're never going to be Carrie Sim, honey. No. Ugh. So... In May of 1999, the Supreme Court of Canada refused to hear an appeal by Kelly's lawyer to have her case tried in youth court, and it was determined that she would be tried as an adult. That means that her name was not protected under a publication ban, which we already know. Prior to this decision, she was known only in the media as KME, um, but after this, of course, her identity is released. Her trial began in Vancouver, B.C. on March 9th, 2000. In this trial, Kelly presented... Really? Yeah. I don't know why I sounded so excited about that. Yeah, right. Actually, there's been a few birthdays in this because we just had one July 20th as a birthday as well. And then the day this crime takes place is like one of my longest best friend's birthday, which is just horrible (sighs) to me because I can imagine we were like having a little birthday party her sixth birthday party the day that this happened yeah like when you when we i broke it down and thought about it i was like oh man that's monstrous to think about yeah it sucks when things are on your birthday or like iconic dates and you're like oh yuck yeah especially because like we were alive at that point we were like six years old just Mm -hmm. blowing out candles like nobody's business oh can't do that anymore bless ignorance was also bliss when i took advantage of blown out candles yeah. <laughs> Can we stop making people wish on candles? I made it just sets us up for failure. I made whoever it was the last one, or maybe it was my birthday. I just like took my hands and blew them around the candles. I was like, I will not be spitting on this cake. Like, <laughs> no, I think I did similar. Yeah. So in this first trial, Kelly presented as a modest schoolgirl. She spoke in a hushed voice. Um, she sometimes showed faint. Uh, faint traces of a British accent just to like make herself seem a little bit more innocent you know a little posh <laughs> yeah I think like very like hushed the kind of like that little accent would come like out every once in a while kind oh. of like, mm-hmm. like I'm so innocent Ugh. shut up girl her family which was like a very classic middle class view royal Victoria family so they present quite well Attended her trial every day. They sat in the front row. I heard that her birth father wasn't around. So I don't know if she had like a stepdad. It was her stepfather. But I did hear. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I did know that her birth father was not in the picture at all. Yeah, um, no, it's her stepfather. But they basically just refer to him as her father in any of the research. Okay. So I don't really question yeah. that. It's what it is. Yeah. He's your dad. He's your dad. For defense counsel for this first trial, now keep in mind, she has about four or five trials and she changes lawyers basically every time. She changes lawyers more than she changes her underpants, which uh, the difficult defendants normally do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think Jodi Arias. Like a huge red flag when someone's had like five court cases and a different lawyer (laughs) every time. Yeah. (laughs) Red flag alert. Toxic. And then drove her last lawyer into the ground. Yeah. Like gave him cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So for this first trial for her defense counsel, she was represented by Adrian Brooks, uh, who, if you don't know that name, he uh, at the time was one of Canada's most distinguished lawyers. He has also famously re- represented Robert Picton in 2007. He was Robert Picton's main defense lawyer. Adrian told the jury that the Crown had uh, given no DNA, no prints, no bloody clothing, and said the quote, Rumor plus rumor still equals zero, which played on her original statement to police that the accusations against her were all rumors, rumors, rumors. Rumors, rumors. We're teenagers. Cringe. We're in high school. Yeah. The prosecutors in this case, on the other hand, described Kelly as the most aggressive of the group of girls who attacked Rena and presented numerous witnesses who testified against her. Her defense team countered by painting a picture of Kelly as the victim of a conspiracy by a group of young girls who were out to protect themselves. Everyone's just out to get me. Yeah, because that's how it works in high school in this scenario. No, you were the leader of the pack. Yeah, the thing... You were not the one getting beat up. You were the one leading the charge. The thing about Kelly, though, is that her attitude sucks. And she wears oh. it directly on her sleeve. Like, she has absolutely no face filter yeah. or, like, voice filter Mouth when it comes filter, to really. her, like, when she's irritated. Every picture you see of her, she has those skinny little lips just like, Meh. Yeah, she's just a brat. And she is... I'm so angry. She's unable to, like, hide that. And so the jury she saw... constipated all the time. Yeah, the jury saw right through her. I hope she is constipated all the time. She was convicted of second-degree murder in the year 2000 and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for five years on April 21st. This five-year number was based on the fact that she was 15 when she committed the crime. If she had been 18 years or older, the minimum would have been 10 years before applying uh, applying for parole. Now, the the maximum at this point for her age was seven years, the same as Warren, but the judge actually spoke to the amazing family that she comes from and that she is like such a smart good girl in giving her the five years instead of seven. Oh my god we hate that good food is canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door good food makes cooking fun easy and affordable they offer different meal plans to fit your needs like vegetarian, clean 15, easy prep, and the most popular basket, the classic basket. Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with good food. You can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for Good Food today using the code free podcast by proxy to get your first classic box for free. That's free podcast by proxy when creating your Good Food account to get a classic box on us. Hi friends, if you like what you hear and you want to get even more content from us, we're officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get early access to our regular episodes, get bonus episodes, live Q&A sessions, and more. Visit the link in this episode description to learn more and sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Podcast by Proxy. Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us. If you want to support us even more, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing today. Kelly immediately uh, appealed the conviction. Sorry, the appeal was filed in early 2001. 
On February 4th, 2003, three years after she was found guilty of the murder of Rena Verk, the BC Court of Appeal ordered a new trial for Kelly. She was now 21 years old, and this is the hearing. I don't know if anyone has seen the photos, but this um, this appeal trial is the hearing where there's, like, the infamous photos of her in the plunging red lingerie top and the face. Mm-hmm. <sighs> If you look it up, it's like she literally looks like she's wearing a bra. Her boobs are just spilling out of it. Um, she looks yep. absolutely miserable, like the most sour look on her face. And it's quite a sight. It is like, a sight. Did she think she was going to use her hot bod to get out of her charges? I don't know if she was trying to maybe be like, look at me. I'm a lady now. I'm a grown woman. I'm not a young teenager also, anymore. I don't know, but it, it it's a look for sure. Which is like the opposite if she listened to her lawyers. Her lawyers were probably like, look innocent. Oh, yeah, look modest. Soften your look. Yeah. Um, but like when she was out on bail between these trials for like a hot mm-hmm. minute, didn't she also like assault an old woman in Vancouver? Oh, we're getting there. Yes. I will. Yeah, okay. I have this yeah. down too. So I just wanted to make sure we didn't miss this. Because oh, yeah. this lady is, we just want you to make sure you get the full douchebaggery of this woman yeah i'm just trying to like make a little little bit of uh, space in between all of her shit shit sandwich Mm -hmm. shit shit sandwich i'm building a shit sandwich right now yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i feel you former sandwich artist that you might be doing Mm -hmm. i just want to make sure we weren't going to miss anything (laughs) so in allowing her appeal the court ruled that she did not get a fair trial because she was asked 18 times why witnesses would give false testimony against her i guess they were saying that um, all the witness testimony was like because her main argument was that it was just this big conspiracy against her. And I guess the crown like pressed her 18 plus times with the same question. And so the court said like, that why? Why? she had been why? unfairly why? questioned. Yeah. So she was given a new trial. Now, back to what Katie had uh, brought up. Kelly was freed on bail when her trial was overturned or like her appeal was overturned and she was ordered a new trial. Yeah. She had only been in jail for like 18 months and the community was pissed. She was sent to her house on house arrest, um, awaiting the decision. But when the new trial was ordered, her house arrest was lifted and she moved to Vancouver. On March 4th. Again, for anyone who remembers, this is the ferry boat ride away. Yes. Two hours. Yes. So, beep, boop, beep. So she's living in Vancouver, and March 4th, 2004, just over a year after she was released on bail, her bail was then revoked again, and she was ordered back to custody after she was charged with assault causing bodily harm in the beating of a 58-year-old woman while, drinking, while drinking beer in a park. At 2.30 p.m., which violates all of her bail conditions on so many levels. And I think is probably just illegal at the time, because drinking in parks in Vancouver is illegal. Well, that too, but like, she, abstaining from alcohol was one of the conditions of her bail. And also, she beat up this 58-year-old woman because she was convinced, she like wanted her cell phone or something. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, give was me your phone. something so frivolous. And then just like punched her in the <laughs> face and decked her. I'm just glad she's back in custody at this point because it's so, it's just, just disgusting that she got let out the first time. 
Yeah. Uh, Sue Manverk, who's Rena's mom when Kelly was released, called her release from jail a gross injustice, which, amen, yeah. sister. Sue so with you. Yeah. So the new trial for Kelly Ellard opens on June 14th, 2004. This time, the case was prosecuted by Catherine Murray, and they called her, her nickname at the time was California Catherine, because... She had, like, long blonde hair, and she was just that California babe. Love it. She relentlessly challenged Kelly. This trial is so entertaining, I cannot even fathom it. Like a game of tennis. She really gets her going. Like, she pushes her buttons, and then she pushes her and pushes her and pushes her. At one point, Kelly actually rolled her eyes and screamed at the top of her lungs, I did not kill Rena Verk, and I will repeat it and repeat it, and I will stick with that until the day I die. I don't care how much jail time I do. I did not kill Rena Verk. I will still say I did not kill Rena Verk until the day I die. I don't care if I get another life sentence, but I did not kill Rena Verk. She's screaming. Because that's how you handle yourself in a courtroom. Yeah. The cross-examination was so intense that Kelly was having, like, absolutely bizarre outbursts at the prosecutor's questions and statements about witness statements and everything. Um, so the judge actually ordered a break. And Yeah, she was like an erratic little monkey in the courtroom. Yeah, and so when she came back from the break, Kelly would only respond to Prosecutor Murray with the statement, I did not kill Rena Verk, and I did not cross the bridge. She repeated the statement, I did not cross the bridge, 23 times in a single cross-examination. We know you crossed the bridge. Yeah, she, and she, and this time she was like, hunched in her chair, and her voice was like very monotone. So you know her defense team. with her shoulders up. Yeah, like... You know her defense team was like, you need to get your shit together. You're allowed to say this, and you're allowed to say this, and you will not react to anything else. Yeah. Because the first half was statue show. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I think if I was a lawyer and my, like, client just stood up and started yelling, I, like, I, I, I can't help you anymore. Like, you just lost it for yourself. And keep in mind, she's not yelling in like a, in a way where you can tell that she genuinely did not do this. She's yelling like she's a teenage brat that's she's not getting her own she way. She got busted. A hundred percent. Like yeah. she's literally yelling because she didn't get her way. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is like a teenager running up the stairs and slamming the door. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Sleep over at their boyfriend's yeah. house. Oh, yeah. Between June 16th and 22nd, several witnesses came forward to testify against Kelly, saying that she openly admitted to killing Rena. Warren Glowatsky did testify at the second trial and said that though he still denies killing Rena, he watched Kelly drown her. Yeah. Kelly's new lawyer uh, for this trial defended this by saying that Warren lied repeatedly in his initial statements to police and at his own trial, which, like, isn't untrue. I think he did. I know. Kind of. He did at the time. But not. it was not about what she did, though. He has always maintained that Kelly killed Rita. Yeah, he was just trying to cover his own ass and yeah. distance himself from it. And over time, he's 100% been accountable for what he's done. Mm-hmm. So... I think he was a minor, like we've talked about, so he deserves another chance. Yeah. 
On June 30th, 2004, the pathologist testified that Rena's cause of death was considered drowning, um, but the pathologist did add the part that had she not drowned, she mo- would most likely have not survived yeah. due to the injury to the back of her head. Mm-hmm. July 6, 2004, Kelly testified at her own trial and admitted to punching Rena, but said she did sh- did so because she thought she was going to hurt one of her friends. So this is her I did it to protect Nicole story. You mean the girl that called her there and had a plan to have girls back her up? Yeah. So, okay, sure. Yeah, she used the whole, like, you know, Nicole put the cigarette on, on Rena's head and then friend. Rena swung and then, yeah, the Kelly throwing the next punch was self-defense for Nicole. Yeah. Okay. Kelly also denied on stand that she participated in drowning Rena. She finished her third day of testimony on July 8th, still denying that she killed Rena, but in true Kelly fashion, she ends... Her statement, this is the end of her statement to the courtroom, her last chance to win over the jury or to, you know, make it clear that if she really is innocent, she didn't do anything. And she says, quote, I'm obviously going to be convicted. You've got what you want. My life is ruined. Yep. So. Not. Okay. I'm so sorry to the family for being involved in this at all, blah, 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 and just trying to throw one Hail Mary. She just is such a brat. Well, and she she makes this statement specifically um, after Prosecutor Murray brings out the jacket stained in salt water and asked her to explain it. And that was her explanation for the jacket. Yeah. Yeah. She really just knows how to win over a crowd, doesn't she? Yeah, that's it. She can work a room. <laughs> her defense team finished off their case July 9th, 2004, when their last witness testified that Warren Glowatsky paid her to spread stories that it was Kelly who killed Rena. Who they paid to say that, I have no idea, but uh, that's n- no. That's a no. It's neither here nor there. No, 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 no. Jury deliberations began on July 14th, and on July 18th, 2004, Justice Selwyn Romilly declared a mistrial after jurors came back deadlocked 11 to 1, meaning we are going to a third trial with Miss Killer Kelly Ellard. Yep. Love a good mistrial. Kelly's third trial begins on February 21st, 2005. She's now 22 years old. This is once again prosecuted by her favorite ever, Catherine Murray, uh, which we love because Kelly hates her. Judge Barbie. <laughs> Prosecutor Barbie. Yes. March 17th, 2005, the Crown called their star witness, you guessed it, Warren Glowatsky, who described how he and Kelly followed Rena when she staggered away from under the bridge, attempting to walk over it and go home. He testified once again to his story that Kelly beat Rena a second time and drowned her in the gorge waterway, leaving her for dead. To keep it short and sweet, because I just, I cannot keep going over Kelly's antics in court. No. April 7th, 2005, jury deliberations began for a third time against Kelly, and this time she is found guilty of second-degree murder on April 12th, 2005. This time, she's sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for seven years uh, by Justice Robert Bowman, who rightfully called Rena's death a senseless, remorseless crime. But of course, 
<laughs> she appeals again. Now, I just need to point out that we are at about 2005-2006. If, if she had just sat in jail and shut up, she would have been out by now. Yep. Especially because she was still charged as an adolescent, quote unquote, yeah. even though they were like, they took her age into consideration. She had a easy breezy sentence, so to speak, if she had just toughed it out at the beginning. She literally had five years without the possibility of parole. And if she had sat in her cell and kept her mouth shut, she would have been out in like three years tops. And she mm-hmm. would have been Roman free. So just, yeah. you know... Just think about it. I'm glad she didn't because she's a monster and she's clearly uh, hazardous to society. She's proven that. But I'm just saying. You know who did do that? Warren. He sat in prison, made himself a better person, and then testified against her and told the whole truth finally. Yeah, like she just. And again, I don't think he's a great person because of what he did. But I think. He's not a bad person. She's literally just dragging. She is a bad person. Well, she's just dragging this out for her own ego. It's all this is. It's an ego show. Yeah. She's trying to make it the Kelly show. She's horrible. Yes, she is. August 3rd, 2006, a British Columbia judge ruled that Kelly would be granted legal aid to pay for her third appeal, which like hella eye roll. My eyes have rolled so far in the Why? back of my head. They may never come back. We're uh, now giving this woman money to, to appeal. fight against mm-hmm. her ruling. Come on. Yeah. And so here we go. September 5th, 2008, the BC Court of Appeal overturns Kelly's conviction once again and orders a fourth trial this time the case is overturned for people this time the case is overturned on the grounds that the trial judge erred in his instructions to the jury over their testimony the decision to overturn the conviction was two to three with one judge who disagreed and was basically like lock that bitch up please i don't want to hear from her again yeah can we just be done with this people you didn't make a error it's fine like July 12, 2009, a panel of five judges at the Supreme Court of Canada ruled unanimously that British Columbia prosecutors could proceed with their appeal before the high court of the split lower court ruling. So the prosecution was basically appealing the decision to allow the appeal. Exhausting. Yeah. But good for them. Thank you. It is. Thank you. Kelly Ellard then applies to be released while the Supreme Court of Canada decided whether the fourth trial would go forward or not, and this was rejected by the Court of Appeal on March 19, 2009. Finally, on June 12, 2009, the Supreme Court of Canada restores Kelly's second-degree murder conviction in an 8-to-1 decision and threw out the decision to hold a fourth trial. Yes. Fucking finally, after 12 Long years, Kelly Ellard will finally have to serve some real justice for her murder of Rena Burke. She would. Anyway, like when this came out, they were like, "No, there was no errors. It's fine." Like, why? Why would anyone have given this a fourth trial? Yeah. So at this point, she is not able to file any more appeals. Like, this is stamped, signed, sealed, delivered. We're done. We finally have some justice for Rena. Her family doesn't have to go to any more fucking trials and listen to Kelly. Um, God. Yeah, I just... 12 years. 
And, and like nobody I mentioned, needs to hear this woman speak. You could have sat there for three to five. I know, I like how you say three because we all know you only serve about 60% of your sentence. So you're probably going to serve three law. to four. It's literally the law in Canada that if you... Like it is. Yeah, if you're not an asshole, you serve 60%. That's the law. It but is. she was an asshole. She, she is an there asshole. There we go. Thank you. Even in prison, if she is still an <laughs> if asshole, If you're people. not an asshole is the premise <laughs> of the... That's how it's written in the criminal code, too. Yeah? <laughs> if you're not a dick... <laughs> We'll consider letting you out at 60%. <laughs> so we would think that that's where the saga ends, but it's Kelly. So it, it never. Heck no, she won't go. It never ends there. Kelly continued on from here with her plight of innocence and behaving erratically in prison. At a certain point, she did change her name to Carrie Sim, which we just. But we don't care. We don't care about that. Some of her prison infractions include uh, she was found hoarding dozens of toothbrushes for making makeshift shanks. <laughs> She's making weapons yeah. and like mm-hmm. what doing drugs. Yeah. And... She uh, also confessed. <laughs> yeah, she confessed to a year-long yeah. binge on contraband meth. Okay, I don't want to get anyone in trouble out there, and I'm not googling it myself. But contraband meth. I mean, I don't really know what goes into meth to begin with. I was going to say, I don't know how to make non-contraband meth, so. I just thought they made, like, wine in toilet bowls, so what are you making your drugs out of? Meth in toilet bowls. I don't know. I have no idea. It's not even something I want to know, if I'm being completely honest with you. It's just, like, not knowledge. It's It's not knowledge that I wish to have. I need to to know everything. Yeah. After Kelly turned 30, she did quit drugs, and she took a job at the prison library, this is where she becomes... Hold on. Guys, this started when she was 15 mm-hmm. and she quit drugs at 30. She has been in prison most of this time off and on and like in and out of court and proceedings and doing all this stuff. But she is just now quitting drugs. Yeah, she quit drugs this at 30. This is ridiculous. Uh, this is where she becomes pen pals with a 41-year-old man named oh. Darwin and the two enter into a romantic relationship. Uh, for him, they sure do. Yeah, for his own background, Darwin was a former felon with gang ties, so he's a super stand-up dude. Why do I feel like we used the same sources for this? We probably did. I love it. During a conjugal visit, she ended up becoming pregnant with Darwin's child, and in October of 2016, it was reported to the public that she was eight months pregnant. To jump back a little bit, in May of 2016, Kelly did finally admit for the first time some wrongdoing, <laughs> which was mostly just because she realized she was never going to get paroled if she didn't. Um, yeah. She also... Which is the stupidest reason. Yeah, like you can tell that she realizes if she's continuously getting denied because she's taking absolutely no responsibility or accountability for this crime. Um, So she like takes some responsibility, but it's complete bullshit. She she half asses it. And like, there's a few more really bratty quotes on her. Cause you mean where they say that they like follow Rena. She finally admits that they like do follow her and stuff like that. So she, she, she basically says in this hearing that she, um, that, Re- that Rena was like, 
already dead and she panicked and so she just threw her body in the water. Yeah. And she said she like just she's like, Yeah, so Warren and I did cross the bridge yeah. and that's where we saw Rena dead. So we just like rolled her into the water. But she acts like thought, she was trying to be did a you hero. Hear the, a, like not Did you hear the comment she made though later? About like a oh, never mind. Her, we'll get to it yeah, in a second. Yeah, probably. Um, she basically doesn't act like she's being a hero, but she, like, acts like they crossed the bridge because they saw her hunched over and wanted to help her. And then she says, like, well, when I realized she wasn't breathing, I panicked and I just threw her body in. And it was just and it was just a dumb mistake because I was so young. And it was like, no, you didn't. Well, she tries to say that's why she, her, like, sleeves were wet, too. Cause she's like, yes. probably when I rolled her in, my sleeves got wet. Yes. But then they're like, that makes no sense because that might be, like, a splash or, like, a couple inches. But your sleeves were wet to, like, your elbow. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, a... That's bullshit. It's a bullshit story. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, they said... Actually, you know what? I read an article about this one in an interview about that part that we were just talking about. And apparently at this time, this is when Warren even suggests, like, we should just flag down a car and even, like, implies that they should get Rena help. And that also factored into, like, the whole decision about what Warren was entitled to because, like, Kelly was like, no. We're not flagging down help. Yeah. So it, it's like in that moment, Kelly made a decision that Rena wasn't going to be walking away. Yeah. Uh, she also stated at this parole hearing that she had done some, quote, soul searching and was motivated to be a better person due to her pregnancy and the upcoming birth of her, her first child. So oh she also kind of uses that to try and get parole. Uh, but of course she can't, she can't leave it there. She also said during this parole hearing, quote, enough is enough. I've done everything and then some. It's time for this to be done. She added that she believed there was nothing left for her in prison to assist her and her parole officer actually discouraged the board from granting Kelly day parole at this time based on Factors including her substance abuse issues and the continued deflection of blame for her actions. Like, even her parole officer is like, this is not it. Like, this is stupid. We're getting there, but we're not quite there. We could do better. We could still do better. Uh, I also remember there was a comment, too, that she said, like, um, like, oh, she was so, she was unconscious. Like, there was no point. I wouldn't even have to hold her head underwater. And she was so callous about it, saying, too, that, like, Oh, I just thought if I pushed her into the water, the water would just, like, carry all my problems away. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, she was just saying that she was her problem. Oh, I know. It's such a disgusting way to think of another human being. Yep. As a problem? No, they're a living life. Yeah. Um, so, by this point, I got sick of Kelly, and I don't actually know when the first time she was granted day parole was. It happened at some point. I genuinely couldn't tell you when. She's never been fully paroled, so day parole means that she gets, like... I think for one of her day parole stints, she was allowed to live in the community during the week, and then she had to report back on the weekends. Um, yeah, there's it kind of varies what she gets also because of when, she, like you said, she approaches the parole to see if she can get extended like outings mm-hmm. due to being pregnant and for doctor's visits and stuff, so it's a bit weird. Um, yeah, and like even when, what's his name? DeRozan, it's just last name darwin darwin yeah his last name is derosen darwin derosen what a name i know seems like a lot to live up to i just kept writing it as double d in my notes 
Because, yeah, he was serving, I don't even know if you said this, but he was serving like seven years for break and enters oh, and I stuff like that. I didn't know that, no. But, yeah, speaking of Kelly and her pregnancy, because that's kind of where we're at mm-hmm. leading into her potentially getting parole, uh, DeRozan was, like you said, a convicted felon who was out on day parole at the time uh, after they had been longtime pen pals. He was serving seven years, ten months for multiple break and enters throughout uh, 2010-2011. Uh, and he was doing these B&Es to fund his heavy, heavy heroin addiction that he had at the time. Ah, yes. He was, like you said, had many gang ties. And he was in and out of jail over the years, at the time being released at 41. And they were really hesitant to even let him out uh, on parole because they had concerns literally being like, you have a girlfriend that's knocked up who's also a convicted felon. We just can't guarantee you're not going to go and do something stupid. Yeah. Well, it seems like asking you to do something. Yeah, I'm like, same for Kelly, uh, choosing to enter into a relationship with somebody who lives that sort of a lifestyle is not ever going to make the parole board want to fully release you and think that you are going to do great things in the community. Like, you're if you choose to associate with people like that you're choosing that you're going to continue that sort of a lifestyle and they're not going to be super inclined to want to just let you roam free yeah the only thing that really saved his ass is that he was crazy upfront in his parole hearing and was like this is who i am this is my life this is just the reality of it yeah. i'm aware of the stress that comes with that and <laughs> It's so gross because there were visits at first were called family visits, which I think is just a gross wording for it. And then eventually, yes, they were like upgraded to conjugal visits. Yeah. But the reason they're called family visits is because they're just any period where you get the privilege to be in an isolated, right. on-premise, separate dwelling. And for a lot of people, that is with their wife and children yeah. for up to 72 hours. Yeah. So, and I was also shocked to hear that they get up to 72 hours. That seems like a lot. Yeah. I thought it I was like a day or like a, a I, I honestly didn't think there were many like sleepovers. <laughs> I thought they were just like, <laughs> I thought they were just like isolated visits, to be honest. Like maybe they were full days, but I didn't think they were overnights. Yeah. I was yeah, surprised. It's interesting. But. So, yeah, she she is granted day parole at a certain point. I, I genuinely don't know when that was. I'm sorry. I could have looked into it, I'm sure. But I just, I really am just sick of the bitch. Um, so, but the, essentially what that means is she gets to go and live in the community, let's say Monday to Friday. She checks into uh, the institution again on the weekends. Um, she has conditions she has to follow. Um, and so in August of 2021. Her day parole was actually suspended after domestic abuse was reported between herself and Darwin, who would now be 39. Uh, Kelly at first denied that violence had occurred, but when her parole was suspended, she did admit that they had pushed each other due to an incident about how Darwin was parenting their son. Her parole was regranted. Her day parole was regranted in November of 2021, uh, but this time with new conditions and i do not believe that they're allowed to be together anymore as far as i know so that's kind of where we're at with kelly she does still have some day parole it was given back to her this year in november um i don't think any of us really care too much about what that looks like i do have i do have one more point after this i'm just going to come back to katie because i know that she might have some more 
fun facts about Kelly. I don't know, but... Um, most of them were just that kind of in between, like that 2016 to 2020. Okay. And they were more just some personal details. There's nothing really that important. Uh, just in regards to just some details more so about what she was allowed to do or be part of being pregnant and having a baby in prison. Because I think that's also kind of a weird phenomenon to a lot of people. I think a lot of people assume that someone has a baby, the baby's immediately taken away, and you are kept in your prison stay. And I'm sure that is the case in a lot of places, and even in the States or maybe within Canada some places. Within BC, she was able to take care of, or take part in what's called the mother-child residency program. So she's actually allowed to stay in a separate building with other mothers and their babies. So she was actually able to learn life skills as well as parenting classes, prenatal classes, and whatnot throughout the prison system. So, and like you said, she did say that when she became pregnant, it like softened her and made her a better person. And once her son was born, she said that she could see more of, like, a purpose in life and... Which, I mean, I hope that's the truth. Because, I mean, you just want anyone to be a better person. Yeah. But I really don't think that she, like, deserves to be a better person. (laughs) I mean, if she's actually being a better person for her child and everything, great. I just... I've seen enough. I've heard enough. Yeah. And I don't know how you could just become a different person overnight. Yeah. And what's his nuts? Double D ends up going back to jail as well. So they're only allowed to have visits with their child now independently Mm -hmm. under a supervised area. Uh, They can't be together with their child at all, which it sucks for that child. It grows up in a facility with a very structured, weird life. Mm -hmm. But I whatever i am not in their shoes i don't know how to assess these people or these two as parents yeah. so i guess i can't say too much more than that yeah just because uh, you did that, a terrible thing and you are an asshole to other people doesn't mean that you can't be a good parent so we don't really have anything to say about that yeah the only other thing was that around the time that all the news came out about kelly being pregnant Media sources frequently approached her mom, Susan, and were like, what do you think is going to happen to the baby? Like, is, are you going to take it? What's going to happen if she's in prison? And she was like, I don't even want to talk to you. You should leave us and Rena's family alone. Mm-hmm. We've all been through enough. We don't want to focus on this anymore mm-hmm. in the sense that they just need to be able to, like, grieve and move on and have some closure from this because they've not even be- they're not even their own people anymore. Yeah. They're this case and i can and that's not fair i can agree with that we were actually brandon started i told you this but brandon started re-watching making a murderer and <laughs> yeah we were watching uh an episode the other night and the media the reporters were uh like constantly following and questioning Stephen avery's parents who are quite elderly and you can see the toll that that case and his previous uh case has taken on them as people and Mm -hmm. it was so sad to watch how sad and defeated they looked while these reporters chased them with cameras asking them questions um Mm -hmm. like in terms of kelly's family for example like you said they now have this attached to them and they are this this family they didn't do anything even even having a different name yeah then Kelly 
she's still known as Kelly's mom everywhere she goes, I'm sure. And, I mean, not that we are getting into the topic. I'm just prefacing this. I'm just using this as the example. But I just want to make note that, like, just like the media is harassing people, and we're not getting into this topic, but the, like, convoys everywhere, Mm. please take into account that you are just, like, disturbing people's sleep, their mental health, their children. You're keeping the elderly awake. Like, just, I just want people to be mindful of who's around them. Whatever you're doing, whoever you are, wherever you are, I'm not saying I support you or I don't. I'm not getting into it. Yeah, no. But please just be respectful of those around you. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of what being Canadian is. And if you want to say you're doing this because you're Canadian and you want your rights, think about everyone else's rights and quality of life, too, around you. And just don't be a dick. That's the bottom line. Don't be a dick. That should be our new... Like, sh- that should be a new line in the show because my dad always says just that. don't be a dick. My dad always says that to my dog. Don't be a dick. So I say it to my dog, too. Or don't be an asshole. So I think don't be a dick is going to be... We should have a shirt with that on it. Don't be a dick. That's going to be just our new catchphrase. I think that needs to catch on because... uh, I would like a black shirt with just, like, typewriter font across the back and small even that just says don't be a dick. Yes. I like typewriter font. (laughs) I do have one more thing to say. I'm sorry that I'm continuing it on. Um, it's no, really quick. Fine. November 2000, Rena's parents actually sued oh, the yeah. province, civilly sued the province, because Rena was technically under provincial care of the group home at the time that she died. So they wanted to sue the ministry basically for negligence and like not providing for her properly. I believe that they were suing the girls as well. Yeah, they were suing the girls that and the Ministry of Child and Family or something like yeah. that, I believe. So in 2008, that case actually got thrown out because the judge said that it took them too long to actually fully go through with the lawsuit. Um, and Rena's parents said that the reason being was that they were waiting out Kelly's trials because yeah, realistically in civil court, if they're still criminal charges pending against somebody that you're trying to sue it can't really go forward and so they were told by their lawyer to wait and then by the time all that shit was done because kelly took a solid 12 years now they're saying it's too now late. they're saying it's too late to go through with the case and yeah. that it would you know do harm to the justice system Bullshit. et cetera, et cetera. so that's kind of where that landed that was all i really wanted that to say. does harm to the justice system yeah. not the 12 years that kelly wasted yeah. of everyone's okay, I, wait that's another no she's had enough time mm-hmm. but that that's it um that's the end of this case it's incredibly sad uh feel like kelly just made it so much more difficult than it ever needed to get to um Okay. Well, as always, if you enjoyed this episode or our show in general, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating and review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening if you are able to do that. Um, I would love to see some more reviews come through. I feel like it's been a little bit stagnant lately. We haven't had too many, Um, but it really does help us And again, we've said it once and we'll say it again. If you leave a review or a comment in a thread on Facebook with a recommendation or something, take a screenshot and send it to us. We'll gladly send you some stickers. We really appreciate anyone putting the word out for us that will 
Send those to you. Yeah. Easy peasy. And uh, send us that screenshot and the information. We will have some bonus episodes coming up. Uh, Patreon.com slash podcast by proxy. I may even open a couple of those up to the $5 tier if they are shorter. Um, So you definitely don't want to miss that. You can donate to the show, buymeacoffee.com slash podcast by proxy, and follow us on all social media platforms at podcast by proxy. Um, don't forget to send a case suggestion. I just really love those so much. I was just going to say that. <laughs> They're so fun. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I've been seeing a few pop up, and again, every time you guys recommend one, it leads us down a rabbit hole, and we find a few, so yeah. shoot them our way. We love them. Okay. We're done. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. <gasps> okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me.